the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And here he is in studio with us today, Larry Rosenthal himself. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Chris. And how are you today? I'm doing all right. Doing okay. Can't complain. Well, that's good. You always are. And it doesn't doesn't help to complain anyway because there's lots of good things. You know, the Lord's been good to me. I can't complain. Absolutely. Without a doubt. No doubt. He always is. He always is. As a matter of fact, if you uh, take a look at Proverbs 3, uh, 30, verse 5, it says, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Think about that. What are we taking refuge in, right? We've got elections coming up this this next week, don't we? <laughs> Some places yeah. have already voted, right? Yeah. Let's put our faith and trust in the Lord, right, Amen. and not in man. There you go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, that's just a whole conversation amongst itself as far as that goes. But, hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. I'd like to continue to welcome our longtime listeners on Sirius XM, Family Talk, Channel 131. Uh, nationwide, as well as our local listeners on WAVA in the D.C. Baltimore area also. It is Open Mic Saturday, as it always is on Saturday on this show. Give us a call with any questions that you may have on your estate planning, investments, taxes, mortgages, what's going on with the Fed, the corporate earnings. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Well, you know, Equities this past week here in the market were a little volatile again, Chris, mm-hmm. you know, in hopes that we would hear some less restrictive, less hawkish conversation from the Fed chair <clears throat> on Tuesday when they raised interest rates as predicted 75 basis points. So the Fed funds right now went up another 75 basis points for a total of about three and a half at this particular point. It looks like December they're going to clock in with maybe 50 basis points. Uh, 
And then when are we going to get this pause? When is the Fed going to say, you know what, we need to stop, we need to pull a timeout and back off and say, now we're going to pause. Is it going to be January? Is it going to be March meeting, April meeting? When is it going to be? Well, Jerome Powell alluded to that. He was asked that question in his post-meeting interview this past Tuesday, and he basically said this. He said, you know, look, it's too early to really be talking about a pause. Mm -hmm. But the numbers sort of indicate we're not that far away from it. Now, if you stop and you think about this for a second, if the Fed chair would come out and basically say, yeah, we're going to pause soon, what do you think is going to happen in the financial markets? What do you think is going to happen, right? You know, they're going to take that as a green light when, in fact, it's not a green light because of the way the Fed does its numbering or its math, I guess you could say. The Fed is looking at data that's already happened. They're looking at back. They're they're looking backwards at data, trying to forecast into the future. History shows that the Fed traditionally overshoots and then has to immediately pivot and start to stimulate and drop rates because they slow it down too much. This time around, they are talking about a pause. There are Fed officials talking about a pause, but as far as the commentary out there, you know, it's too early to say, yes, we anticipate pausing at XYZ date. But when you take a look at PCE numbers, personal consumption and expenditure numbers is at 5.1, right? If the Fed raises more in in December, which they most likely will, and then maybe again in January, we're going to be getting very close to that number. That could help bring down inflation. You also take a look at the jobs numbers this past week. While we added jobs, the unemployment number actually went up from 3.5% to 3.7%. That's a good indication that possibly inflation could start to continue to pause. You know, next week we're going to get the inflation numbers for October, and we'll see where they are. The headline CPE is at 8.2%. We need to see if if it tracks down a little bit right there. But, you know, there are other central banks around the globe Canada, Australia, Bank of England, they're all starting to, 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 they're continuing to raise interest rates, but at a lower pace, at a slower pace. Instead of 75 basis points, it might be 25 basis points or 50 basis points. But it's too early to, for the Fed to actually come out and say pause. But we're not that far off, when you, especially when you take a look at the dollar index. We're just not there yet. Although markets on Friday bounced back extremely strong. Corporate earnings are still coming in strong, weaker than the fi- prior quarter, but still positive. You know, earnings, <clears throat> excuse me, earnings right now, 85% of the S&P 500 has reported so far. And third quarter earnings, blended earnings per share, which combines those that have reported plus estimates, uh, are, sh- are showing they're running at 2.2%, while top line sales are up over 10.5%. So, so things look pretty good, Okay. Uh, as far as working through this cycle, we're just not there yet when it, when it comes to, you know, the Fed giving us the pause. And that's what Wall Street needs. Let me explain this. This is what Wall Street needs. They need clarity of direction. Wall Street right now doesn't have clarity of direction because they don't know how high interest rates are actually going to go. And you take a look at that as it goes to Wall Street and Main Street. You know, right now, are you going to go out and buy a new house or, or, you know, you think about buying a new house in February, March, you don't know what the rates are going to be. What about buying a new car? You don't know what the rates are going to be to finance. How's a CEO right now going to look at a new project 
for, for their company to do to borrow money or make an acquisition when they go, I'm not sure where rates are going to be in a few months. So everything's sort of pausing. That's slowing it down. Once we get to that point where the Fed says we're going to take a timeout, which is not that far around the corner, sometime next year probably, okay, at that particular point, that's when, that's when Wall Street will get clarity of direction and be able to really start saying, okay, now we know the cost of money. Now we know the cost of capital. This is what it's going to take. This is how we price things in. That's what Wall Street's looking for is clarity of direction. Let's go ahead and welcome Richie on the line from Indiana. Good morning, Richie. How are you today? Fine, thank you. Uh, I have a two-part question. Uh, but would be some good investments in the wake of the Biden administration you know they're they're so anti-oil, and and I believe as long as oil, you know they don't they keep the lid on oil drilling, they inflation's not going to be tamped down, okay. And my second question is, uh, although they may um, the interest rate, he wants to keep raising it. Uh, the other day, Mark Meadows, the uh, used to work for President Biden, said they can't raise it too much because the national debt'll really put a heard on us for interest rates. I'd like your comments on both of those questions, please. Thank you. Absolutely. <clears throat> it, it is a fact that, that first of all, when, when we do have inflation, Richie, the Fed tries to, to quell down the economy. They try to slow down the economy by doing different measures with their, their, capa with their tools. And one of them, the most popular one, is to raise interest rates. It makes things harder to, to buy is, is what it basically does. We all understand that. But there's a couple things that the Fed cannot control, and that's what you alluded to one of them. First of all, look what's going on. The Fed cannot control supply chains. Supply chains around the world are getting better. They are, and the time to wait to get a product delivered has dropped substantially, but it's not back to equilibrium yet. It's not back to where we want it to be. There's countries and companies re rediversifying, exploring different places, to, to do their supply chains, to do their manufacturing and things like that. The Fed can't control that. That's coming online a little tiny bit more and more each day. Okay? Second thing, the Fed can't control domestic energy policy, to your point. Uh, the domestic energy policy was done under an executive order early in the administration. That's not going to be reversed. So if you, if you take a look at, at the bottleneck, if you will, of, of energy, that is adding to part of the, the supply problem that you just alluded to. So the Fed can only bring it down so far. The Fed recognizes that they can't take it. You know, so, so just do a, uh, I'll just do an example of math just to give you a visual in your mind. Right now, inflation, top-line inflation, is at 8.2%. The goal, the Goldilocks uh, objective, is to, get gold, is to get inflation down to 2%, right? But how much of that inflation pressure is due to supply chains? How much of that is due to uh, energy costs? Well, you know, let's just, let's just add 3% to, to, to energy and 2% and to supply chain. That puts us, you know, at, at, at you know, 5 6%. Uh, so, so if the Fed continues to raise rates and then pauses somewhere around there, they know it's just a matter of time before supply chains get fixed and possibly a change in, in, in energy uh, production uh, down the road. To the second part of your question, which is, you know, the administration's talking about, hey, you know, they can't keep raising rates forever because it's going to hurt the deficit. Yes, 
the every time you raise interest rates, it makes the expense of interest, the carrying cost of the debt, more expensive. No doubt about that, right? But the Fed's not necessarily concerned about that. Yes, it is something that we all should be concerned about, but their mandates mainly are price stability and maximum uh, employment. That's what they're shooting for. They're shooting to get price stability under control, which is bringing down inflation. And at the same time, Richie, they're trying not to break the entire economy and drive unemployment up to 7, 8, 9% and go into a major recession. So, so the Fed chair this past week basically said, you know, when he was asked, is, is it still possible to get a soft landing? How does that window of opening look? And he said, yes, it's still possible, but the window's getting tighter. It's getting shorter. Okay, as we, as the economy continues to produce things, uh, I, I'm sorry, as the economy continues to expand and fiscal policy is not that cooperative on the other side, it makes it harder. So that's what they're trying to do. And when you take a look at what the the debt service is to our GDP, okay, um, it's only about three three and a half percent. It's not huge, but it's not fun either having a 31 trillion dollar deficit either. Fair enough. But they are right that when you do raise rates your deficit goes up, no, no doubt about it. So the Fed will raise to accomplish their mandates of slowing down price, uh, inflation. And then, you know, just have to deal with it uh, going from there. So that's kind of the answer to your questions. Make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. I appreciate the call. Listen, if you like, I'll be happy to send you out our financial planning toolkit, okay? Uh, you can maybe take a look at, at, at how to build your, your plans and things like that. But uh, good questions. I, I, I appreciate your questions. So uh, have a great weekend, Richie. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. 
www.ohio.org. You've seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, welcome back to The Larry Rosenthal Show with Larry Rosenthal, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. I talked to Larry Rosenthal. You know, with a name like Rose Rosenthal, you should be a baseball star, I think. You're, all, you're a wonderful financial guy, but maybe you should add baseball star to your repertoire. What do you think? Yeah, I don't see any MLB co- team calling me up anytime soon, Chris, but, you know, that would be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be great. It would be awesome. <laughs> Definitely. Actually, there was a baseball player who played for the Cardinals back in the 40s named Larry Rosenthal. No kidding. Yep. Well, you're looking pretty young for that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. All right, well, let's take a chance here, Chris. Let's do something that we, we don't do too much. Oh, now you're scaring me. Okay. What's going on? Probably going to light up the phone lines with this one, all right? <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> you know, next week we, we have, this coming week, we do have an event going on in the country, and that is Election Day this coming oh, Tuesday, right? Oh, my goodness, Midterm yes. elections. Yes. So, you know, what happens in midterm cycles in the markets, Right. We, I have heard all kinds of stuff the last couple of weeks on what's going to happen with the markets, right? You know, when you, when you take a look at, at uh, uh, the, the midterm elections and the fact of who may win the World Series and you tie all that together with the history of how the stock market performs during certain teams winning the World Series versus midterm elections and all this kind of stuff, you go nuts. So I just thought, you know what? Maybe sports doesn't have much to do with it, but let's just take a look at some of the history <laughs> okay. of politics, right? Since this is a political week and a World Series week. Exactly. Fair enough? Exactly. So here we go, right? So, right. so you know, what, what, what does it look like in the history of midterm elections? So, you know, the, the, the current equity market is very volatile. As tradition shows in the, you know, the market's volatile as tradition shows in in a midterm cycle year. But the S&P 500 correlations to the one-year performance following a correction by presidential cycle. So what does this mean? So we're definitely in a bear market, right? And when we get a correction, what's the following year look like when we end up getting a, a correction in a mid-year cycle following the election, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's a whole lot of stuff, but people are trying to find reasons for all of this. So did a little bit of research, and it looks like we seem to have uh, in year one about a 10.7%, but, but currently it looks like it could be, based off of history, 31.6% return in the market, right? That's based off of how things have happened in the past. Now, let me give you the disclosure, right? Past performance is no indication of future results at all, okay? But you're asking, a lot of people are asking, writing in, and saying, hey, what does it look like, you know, when, when, during a, a midterm election cycle? I've got another graph here in front of me that shows the average price returns midterm elections in years 2022. This is what they're projecting. And I've got a graph here that shows from 1962 through 2018, and the I, I wish we could show this on YouTube, but but the graph just shows, I mean, parabolically going north, 
okay? Which is kind of interesting uh, when, when you take a look at, at uh, uh, midterm elections, um, you know, and what happens in the following 12 months after that. Uh, <laughs> I've got a coin here. I, I, was looking, I was looking for a coin, but, you know, with inflation, I can't find one. But, yep, uh, but yep. you know, I'm just saying this is probably what one of those things, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these things, and, and, and while it doesn't happen all the time, it seems to happen a little bit more often than not. And you've got to wonder why that is, you know. What, why, why is that? And, but anyway, you know, that's our that's our stab at politics. I've got a couple more graphs here and I just can't really explain the graphs. You were so well. controversial, got, Larry Rosenthal. I know you got You got to You got to see them all all over the place. But let's go ahead and welcome Kathleen on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Kathleen. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How can I help you? Um, so my question is in relation to insurance policies. Um, I've heard recently about something called infinite banking which adds to your paid up addition um could you speak to that or have you even heard of that what is that that's my question today thank you infinite infinite banking correct infinite banking as it relates to an insurance policy and puas I, I know what puas are paid up additions to an insurance contract and that's when your whole life policy will pay a dividend. Like suppose you had a $500,000 death benefit and your whole whole life policy paid a dividend. Uh, you may end up with $500,000, you know, $502,000 of death benefit because you get a paid-up addition on top of your original death benefit. It sort of stacks as it goes into the future with more cash value building up. But infinite banking, I'm not familiar with that term, and it could be a marketing term, I know that inside life insurance policies, <clears throat> cash values will build up tax-deferred. And you can pull the money out of your life insurance policy, even before age 59 and a half, Kathleen, to avoid any type of a 10% penalty like you have in IRAs and things like that. So the money inside the life insurance policy will grow tax-deferred, meaning there are no taxes while it's growing. And you can pull it out tax-free as long as you meet a couple of qualifying events. One, you take it out through a series of, of uh, withdrawals to basis first. So let's suppose over the course of the years you put in $100,000 into your life insurance policy, but you have cash value worth 150000 now. You can withdraw the 100000 first and pay no taxes on it because that's after-tax principal that went in. Then if you start pulling out some of the earnings, you switch it over. You don't call it a withdrawal. You call it a loan because loans are not taxable. Therefore, you can access that money tax-free. The problem is that you have to systematically pull it out each year for an income stream. If you take a lump sum of all this money out, the policy could lapse. If the policy lapses, then the entire 50000 that you pulled out of earnings becomes taxable to you in that year. So, I, I, you know, that's, that's basically under the, the IRS code 70, 7707 or something. I forget what the code is. But that's a, a form of additional savings for very high-income earners uh, looking to, to, to harness some extra tax-free dollars and tie it into estate planning. And I've seen that concept called all different types of programs in the past, okay? 
So I don't know if that's what you're talking about as far as infinite banking. That could be a marketing term basically to describe that, but I've never heard of that. And that's term. the first time I've heard of it, too. I yes, I, I don't know. But if you like, I'll put you on hold, and, and Chris will get your contact information, and we'll get somebody to look it up and give you a ring next week and explain it to you what it is, okay? But as it relates to insurance, I'm not sure if that's what they're alluding to or not. Does that help? It helps very much. I'm a first-time listener, first-time caller, and that answers my question. I think it was a marketing uh, term, but the way you described it is how it has been explained to me, and it kind of turned into mush along the way. So um, I will give my contact information for further updates. But thank you for your time this morning. Yes, thank and you then, very much. absolutely. Kathleen, if that's, if that's the arena we're swimming in, let me take it one step further for you so that you understand this, okay? If, if somebody's going to, to use the cash values of life insurance to supplement retirement income and things like that down the road, there's some very specialized policies that function better than the vast majority of others in this arena, and you need to understand how to fund them. For example, let's suppose it, it needs to be a policy that has flexible premium capability to it where you can put extra money in. And, 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 and sometimes even skip payments or, or put in different amounts each year. But there's a certain amount each year that you're allowed to put in in order to keep the cash value income at some point down the road tax-free. That's called the MEC limit, Modified Endowment Contract Limit. So you, you have to really, if you're going to do something like this, the first thing is, you know, are you funding your Roth IRA? Are you doing a backdoor Roth IRA? Are you maxing out your retirement plan at work? This is an additional thing on top of that. So, so we, why, I, now that I know that this is what it is, I can explain it a lot. So I'll go ahead and put you on hold. We'll have somebody reach out to you next week and give you the details on it. Appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. In this midterm election, hey, everybody just get out and vote next week, please. It's just right. fun. Get out and do it if you haven't voted early already. Um, but, but, uh, oh, you got, uh, let's go ahead and welcome Rick on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Yes. Good morning, Larry. I have a question. I recently, uh, took my R&D, which is required just minimum distribution for my retirement plan. And I read recently a number of months ago, I know it's 72 and a half, I believe now, but I read recently a number of months ago that was going to be, it was Possibly they were considering legislation to move it up to like 75. Uh, is that is that true? And also, the next question before I, uh, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, I heard about an investment uh, as far as I could maybe use some of these funds for was government I bonds. That might be a good one. Or what else would you recommend? Well, let's tackle the RMD question first. In the 2019 SECURE Act that went into place in 2020, they moved the required minimum distribution of IRAs from 59.5 to 70.5. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just said that wrong. From 70.5 to 72, right? Yeah. From 70.5 to 72. So the year you turn 72, you're, you have to take a required minimum distribution. For those of you that don't know what that is, think about this for a second. You've saved money in your pre-tax retirement plans or IRAs all your life. You got a tax deduction to put the money in. It grows tax deferred. 
Now at age 72, well, the IRS wants to get a little piece of that money coming back. So there's a schedule that happens at age 72, 73, 74, all these years, all the way out to 114, that, that they do a math computation, and you have to pull a certain amount of money out each year. That's what Rick is talking about right here. There was legislation in the Build Back Better program to move that to age 75. <clears throat> However, that was stripped out in the program that actually passed, which was the Inflation Reduction Act, which, um, anyway, that, that, that is not there uh, as, as far as that goes. So it is age 72, and until legislation passes and a president signs it, it's going to remain age 72. Um, so, so from that standpoint, it is 72, Rick. Uh, you know, it's not 75 now, but they were kicking that around the halls up there. To, to play with it, but it just didn't get put in. Second thing is on I-bond investments. Yes, there's I-bond investments. You buy them directly from the Treasury. You can put in up to $10,000 per registration. Uh, you need to hold them for a period of time. If you pull money out prior to that time, you would lose some of the interest that's credited to you. And the interest is credited every November and May. And you know, short term, it's probably, you know, could be a good uh, investment opportunity. Long term, maybe not. As inflation goes down, your rates will drop as well. So it depends on what your investment objective is, how long you want to hold that. You know, but if you're looking to compete against the markets long term, it may not play out as well as you think. If you're looking to compete against your bank account, then it may. So, so every type of investment vehicle out there will carry – a sweet spot for what your objective is. And depending on what your objective is, Rick, an I-bond may or may not be correct for you. So, so um, uh, you know, again, if you're competing against your bank account longer term for the next four or five years, it, it, it may play out a little bit better. But uh, the stock market, it, it may not, depending on what the markets end up doing at some point if, you know, when, when, they, decide, when they come back. So, uh, but if you want, I'll, I'll send you out a whole bunch of information on I-bonds. You can sort of read through it. We can have someone give you a call and, and step you through how it would work and where it would best work inside your, your investment plan. So I'll put you on hold, Rick, and we'll have someone give you a ring next week uh, with with uh, the information there. So appreciate the phone call. Have a great weekend. Okay. Yes, they have my number, I guess, right? So. Uh, let me just put you on hold, and Chris will get your oh, contact okay. information. Yep, appreciate okay, the phone you call. Thank so much. Absolutely. You have a great weekend. You listen to Making Money Sense. Dial us up, 855-ROSE-123. It's open mic Saturday, no holes barred here, rolling into this election week. You know, and uh, we'll wait and we'll see how the numbers play out the following 12 months, see if it stays consistent with some of the history as far as uh, performance goes in the following year after an election. So <laughs> give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. Chris is just dying to jump into this conversation. Yeah, I know. Nope, 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 nope. Yep. Yep. Chomping at uh, the bit. <laughs> yeah, there you go, 855-ROSE-123. Hey, check out my, our website, too, LarryRosenthal.com. Sign up for our Facebook and our newsletter. We send out a weekly market commentary, monthly newsletters. There's no cost for those. Each week we put up a new blog on the subject matter that, we, that we'd like to talk about. So check it all out, LarryRosenthal.com. Uh, you also can sign up for our, our, our uh, uh, distribution of our webinars. We're going to be having a webinar here 
probably the last week in November or the first week in December. We want to wait and get a little bit more economic data, and then we'll roll out some stuff. On, about Thanksgiving uh, Day? On Let's topics. Do yeah, there you go. Thanksgiving Day. How to cook a couple turkeys, right, Chris? <laughs> there you go. All right, well, give us a ring here. We're going to take a quick break here. 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Listen to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense, and we'll be back in a moment. Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another money minute with larry rosenthal we've all heard the more risk you get the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments however can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns you can only water ski behind one boat at a time make sure your risk adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. You are listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. And Larry Rosenthal on air guitar here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Pull out my guitar. Right? Yeah, you should. It'd be actually kind of fun to watch you do that. Anyway, 855-767-3123. Give Larry Rosenthal a call with your questions right now, Larry. Sure. You know, Chris, it, we, we, we take a look at the different phases of financial planning, the accumulation phase when you're growing your assets, the distribution phase when you're pulling your assets towards you, and the legacy phase when you pass assets on to your heirs, charities, and things like that. Today, you know, this is this – is, uh, from Willis and Estate Planning Study, Caring.com, you know, recent recent study that was just out uh, just recently. Oh, I guess a recent study was out recently, right? There you go. <laughs> uh, but two out of three people in this country do not have a will. Two out of three people, you know, 67% of our country still doesn't, it does not have a will. And, and this is after coming out of, of you know, COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, 56% of Americans said that having a will or living trust is somewhat important to them. Hmm. So over half the country says it's important, but two-thirds of us don't have one, right? But, you know, I heard the other day also, actually, that some people consider a trust a replacement for a will. But you need so, both of them, don't you? I've heard that. I have heard that. Yeah. Okay. But I haven't seen an estate planning attorney do that. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I mean, if, if, if I've got to, you know, rehaul my engine in my car, 
I can get out a manual from the Internet and figure it out, right? But it would probably be much more efficient if I took it to a qualified professional mechanic to do it mm -hmm. who specializes in that versus painting a car, right? So, I use you know, a spray can for that one. I think, yeah, know, right, right. So, so, you know, sometimes it does pay to get the expert yeah. Oh, yeah. On, on the scene to do, to do things like that. And so I've heard it, but I haven't seen it. You know, 40% of people claim that the reason they don't have a basic will is because of procrastination, which I understand. You know, you know you're going to sit down and you're going to talk about leaving the earth, right? Okay, so <laughs> wait a second here. Let's, let's figure this out. You know, and, 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 you know, there's, there's uh, the, the, the study goes on and it shows different people. You know, Michael Jackson passed away. Michael Jackson actually had a will and, and a trust. I would but he hope never, so. He never funded it. Oh, no. He had it, but he never changed his assets and put anything into it. Wow. So he went through the, 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 the time to do it, but he never put his assets into it. So everything so it went to probate. Function. Everything went to So probate. a lot of it went to probate. Oh, so now God. there's all kinds of costs and delays, and people are petitioning the courts to put things into it, what should have been in it to, uh, into it to, uh, to, to begin with. Wow. Um, yeah, so, so, you know, Prince and, and, and uh, Heath Ledger and Barry White and just all kinds of people here uh, on, on this survey talking about what happened with with them dying without proper uh, planning and things. So let's go ahead and welcome Matt on the line from South Carolina. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Good. How you doing? I'm doing well. How can I help you, sir? I, uh, in the past, uh, I'd say in the past year, I, I'm approaching 60. I've got a simple IRA. And uh, I requested my, uh, just because of the market conditions, <laughs> um, and I hit a, I hit a peak part in my portfolio so i requested to go to cash to ride out to see you know with the with the current conditions and i also requested from another company uh about a gold ira uh and since then i got the information in the mail and but they have been calling me wanting to liquidate my entire ira uh, because my financial advisor did not go to cash <laughs> so i'm down uh over 25% my IRA right now and uh, to get that back would be you know five six seven eight years um, and this company is calls me about every day and uh, reminding me about the market conditions and that you know if I move my money to the gold that they would they would be a, a 30% um, capitalization on, on the transaction, which I don't understand at all. I don't know how somebody can guarantee that. What do you mean a 30% capitalization? What does capitalization mean there? Well, I understand the term. But I would, I would be able to gain 30% off of the uh, transaction. Um, so if you put in 100, if you. Uh, it, it would be a $90,000 increase. They're going to give you a bonus credit of of thirty percent. Correct. Is that bonus credit walk away money, or is it income money from an annuity? No, I think it's I think it's moving everything into gold. Um, he talked about the different places. You know, there's a place in Texas that would physically hold the gold. Um, well. And the prices per coin, you would get 
on the each purchase of each coin, you get a percentage up front of a discounted price, I guess you could say. So instead of them charging you full price for the spot price of gold, they're going to charge you 70% of that price, therefore giving you 30% equity pop. Is that what you're, is that the way they're doing it? That That's kind of how I understand it, but I don't just see how that's possible. You know, <laughs> neither do I. I mean, you know, when, when, when I was young and I would go to the ice cream store and I, I'd, have a, I'd have 50 cents, you know, I knew that I could get 50 cents worth of ice cream, not 52 cents, right? And, right. and that basic stuff hasn't changed. And when you take a look at the different asset classes, okay, real estate, stocks, bonds, cash, commodities, gold, whatever it may be, there are times to own them and times not to own them, okay? And if, if you think that over the next, let's say, two and a half years or the next 12 months that gold is going to rebound more than stocks, okay, then you're actually changing your asset class at a low position and buying another asset class that historically never keeps up with the stock market. Okay, um, so so you know I I, I I have all these numbers here, and I would say that you know that's interesting on what they're proposing to you, okay. Um, but how somebody can say you're going to get this better return than that other a- a- investment, you can't make that claim. You can never say investment A is going to do better than investment B, right? That that you you can't you just say. Don't know, right? That's exactly correct. You do not know. But what I can tell you, Matt, is from time to time, there are times to own gold and all this stuff and commodities and silver and copper and stocks and bonds and and ETFs and all this stuff. There's times to be in international small cap value stocks and there's times to be in domestic small cap growth stocks. There's times uh, to do all this stuff. And now you take a look at gold. Where is gold year to date? You know, it's down. Right. Gold has been dropping. All right. Just like stocks. Everything has been. So let me ask you this. Let's let's just step back real quick and take a look at what's been going on. Okay, let's go back and take a look at at the history of the markets. Every year we tend to have a a, a five or seven percent pullback. Every couple years we have a bigger one like this. But every single time since 1913, the stock market has always come back to new highs again. Now, I don't know where you're getting this five-year time frame to make this up. It could be made up in nine months, okay, so it, or less or longer. I won't, I won't attach a time frame to that because we have to sit back and take a look at the economics. So let's, let's, just, name some, let's just name some companies. Let's call company A big tech. Let's call company B big retail. Let's call company C car car manufacturers so we've got all these different companies from all different industries right technology financials healthcare you know all the different industries did all the CEOs of these companies go to a golf outing one weekend back in January this year and say hey let's go back and mess up our companies so our stock prices drop no they didn't do that right absolutely they didn't do that so they're all sitting there, right? And what happened is the Fed comes along and says, we've got to get inflation under control. Everybody's okay with that. And then all of a sudden, boom, almost overnight, it's out of control. 
and the Fed's acting aggressively. The markets pull back. So, so think about this. All these boats, technology, financials, utilities, healthcare, all these boats are tied up at a, at a dock in the, in the harbor. And the tide goes out, low tide. What happens to all the boats? They drop. Around. They go down. When the tide comes back in, what happens to all the boats? They're they floating again. They go back up again, except yep. for the boats that are weak, that, have a, that, that they're tied to the dock with a string rather than a rope. They break off, and then they float out to sea. So my point is this, is equity prices will come back, but now we need to make sure that we own the right companies, companies with real solid balance sheets, corporate earnings, product, innovation, okay? This won't last forever. Wall Street needs clarity of direction. And right now, you take a look at the formula. Monetary policy plus fundamentals equals asset inflation. That formula has existed for years, decades, and it's going to continue into the decades more and more. And so it's important to really understand, Matt, this, that monetary policy is unclear right now. CEOs don't know how, don't know what the cost of money is going to be. They don't know what the cost of capital is going to be next month. They don't know what the cost of capital is going to be next June. But once the Fed says we're going to pause, we're going to stop right now and hold interest rates where they are, now CEOs can say, okay, now we know the cost of capital. Let's go ahead and build this building. Now we know the cost of capital. Let's go ahead and get back to business, and let's go ahead and acquire Company B right now. Hey, now we know the cost of capital. It's time to roll out this new product, this new program. Let's go hire 25 people or 250 people or whatever the case may be. That's what Wall Street's looking for is clarity of direction. And we are almost there, right? We are almost there. But if you held gold in your, in your portfolio last year, this time last year when the markets were at an all-time high, okay, um, what makes you think that if you go back and look at that price then of gold to where it is now and track the price of gold all through, you know, the last five years, ten years, whatever time frame you want to look at, you'll see that it may not be uh, as, as um, uh, productive as individuals, uh, as, as equities, you know, say in the S&P 500. That's my point to you. Gold is an okay. asset class. Okay, but to liquidate your entire holdings, take your diversified portfolio of holdings of quality um, uh, companies, especially American companies, S&P 500 companies, and to liquidate them for a product that you can't model, a product that doesn't pay a dividend, a product that has no corporate earnings. When you buy gold, your objective is for that gold price to go up and you sell it to somebody else at a higher price one day. You don't have any dividends coming in. You can't model that, that price. So it sounds like I'm down on gold. I'm probably very, very cautious as to some of the advice that you'd be giving right now to liquidate the whole thing and dump it all into one asset class that has underperformed for decades. I, I am a fan of different asset classes, but right now, not this, not this particular thing. Yeah. And, and if you want, I'll be happy to send, send you out information on all of this to back up everything that I'm talking about. And, and I'll take a look at your holdings, and, and we'll do an analysis on them for you. And, and there's a good chance that, you know, we're almost there. 
I was talking about this at the top of the show today. We're almost there. Is the Fed going to raise in December? Most likely. Are they going to raise in January? Probably. But what about March? What about April? At some point, they're going to pause. And when they pause, the markets are going to celebrate that. Okay. Um, and, and then we're going to get on with the business. The next two quarters, corporate earnings are, are expected to go up. That's the fundamental reason why people buy stock to begin with. So right now, it may be a cautious time to go ahead and sell out at, at what could be the bottom of this market to go into an asset class that has historically underperformed. So, so that's my opinion on it, right? Now, if you talk to others, you may get a different one as, as far as that goes. But, but uh, let, let me do this, Matt. I'll put you on hold. We'll have somebody reach out to you next week. Chris will get your contact information when I put you on hold, and we'll, we'll give you the info backing all this stuff up for you, okay? Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely, Matt. You have a great weekend. I'll place you on hold here real quick. If you listen to Making Money Sense, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Uh, let's welcome Nelson on the line from Missouri. Good morning, Nelson. How are you today? Good morning. Uh, the other day I was listening to financial news on the way to work, have you ever heard of the rule of 21? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I know that a lot of young kids have when they go to bars. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, apparently, it goes back years. It's kind of a, uh, kind of for old timers, it was kind of a rule that said you take the inflation rate and then... You subtract that from 21, and that's the multiplier you would have uh, on earnings going forward. That's the multiplier on stock earnings on on multiple expansion going forward. Uh, yeah. In other words, uh, so that's 12.8. So 12.8 and 16 and PE 16 equals zero. So if you're adding 12.8. Um, to, to the average P.E. right now, which is where we're at, that gives you 28. So you're telling me you're expecting a 28.8% return in the next 12 months? No, I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting anything. I'm trying to understand the rule. Here's the way I think, here's the way I, I, think I understand it. Nelson, I've never, I've never heard of that rule, okay? But I'll, I'll Google it up and I'll, I'll research it for you. I'll tell you what I think the guy said. Apparently, it goes back to old timers. It's kind of a rule of if you have eight percent CPI, you you subtract eight from twenty one, and that's what you can expect. Uh, you know, uh, fifteen times earnings, seventeen times earnings. That's what you can expect the uh, multiplier to be going forward. Does that make any any kind of logical sense? None whatsoever. No. I would take a look at earnings. You put the earnings on top of P.E. for expansion. That's what you do. I, I'm not familiar with this, but I'll, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll find somebody to research it for you if you want. L let me sounds put like you on hold there. Sounds like yep. an NCIS thing, you know, with Murmur. Yeah, I, I've never heard of that. Let's go ahead and welcome Larry on the line from Kansas. Good morning, Larry. How are you? Great. How are you this morning? I'm well. How can I help you? Hey, just a quick question. Um, you've been talking about uh, the, the Fed uh, pausing at some point in the near future here. If you were sitting on some extra cash right now, would you go ahead and, and invest it in the market today, or would you hold off on that until we see that pause occur? Once we get – well, 
uh, first of all, depending on what your investment objective is with that extra cash, I, if, if it is to grow it, then I would say, yes, now's a great time to enter, okay? And you can okay. enter a couple okay. of different ways. One, you can put the money in your account and then just buy on dips or just buy periodically over the next handful of months. But as the market starts to sniff out the Fed pausing at some point down the road, let's call it March, okay? Uh, as we get closer to March, as the market starts to sniff that out, stocks could rally at that point. So if you wait until right. the Fed says pause, whenever that may be, it could be you miss a huge bounce, right? Sure. So, okay. so if you think about sense. this, yep, if you think about this, you, you, you're driving down a road in the mountains, and you see a peak on your left and a peak on your right, and you're on the road. So you're down in the valley, right? So on the left peak was the market last year. You're down in the valley now. Market's at a low for the year, right, or, or close to it. At some point down the road, the market will climb to another peak again. We just don't know when that is. Is it March of next year? Is it July of next year? Is it November of next year? Right, right? We just, we just don't know when it's, when it's going to be, okay? But all along this, this bottom, you want to be making s different buys so that when you get to a new market high, at some point down the road, you can look back and go, well, you know what? I made a buy in November. I made a buy in December. I made two in January and, and one in February. My two January buys didn't get the best return, but my November and my December one did. But all along, you got a better buy than waiting till the market gets back to a high again. Is that is that cleared right, up? Right. <clears throat> That's how okay, you want to do you. it. Appreciate yep, it. absolutely. Yep. I'll send you out some stuff on. There, there's a process you can do. It's called dollar cost averaging and buying on dips, where you can just reach in and buy some shares of X Y Z from time to time as it pulls back, or doing dollar cost averaging, which is the same. You put the same amount of money into the same investment the same day each month or week, whatever you want to choose as far as your interval goes, uh, and then you end up with the average price throughout this whole time. So, Brian, if you want, I'll go ahead and I'll put you on hold, and and uh, we'll get your uh, contact information. I'm sorry about that. Chris, uh, put your name up as Larry to begin with. Sorry about that. I was looking at your face. I thought it was you. Yeah, I was like, ooh, what's going on? So I, I just saw it's Brian, so I appreciate that. Let me put you on hold, Brian. Have a great weekend. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You know, we were talking about some of the basics in estate planning and, and how, you know, a lot of people do not want or, or, or have – procrastinated, I guess, to get their estate plan started or completed. It is important to, to, to really do this, whether or not you, you have a simple will or, or you need a trust or, you know, one of the best, best ways to really start looking at it is to do an audit of your beneficiaries. You know, who are your beneficiaries going to or who are your assets named as far as beneficiaries goes. You know, if, if you like, I have an estate planning kit that will step you through how to start thinking about this, how to start doing it, how to start communicating and, and, and rolling forward with the estate planning process. So if you're interested in getting our estate planning kit, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123 or simply go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and shoot us off an email and tell me you want to copy the estate planning kit. We've sent out a lot of these over the years. They're very popular, and it really break down that whole arena for you as far as uh, look, looking at it all. I, know, I see we have some callers on the phone here. 
Uh, Sue from Pennsylvania, I'll pick you back up in just a moment. I've got to close out the show here in, in uh, just, just a moment here. So uh, I'll, I'll come back online uh, when, when we're done there. So, um, again, you can catch us next Saturday morning with another session of Making Money Sense. Give us a call during the week at 855-ROSE-123. And don't forget to go to our website and sign up for our newsletters. Uh, so for Chris in the back today, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next Saturday with another session of Make. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.